0: Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quivel, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm speaking with Ken Sweeney, who is a presenter, co-presenter and producer of many different podcasts, including... The Comfortable Spot, which we will talk about at another time, a co-presenter of Lydia's Booktastic podcast, which for anyone out there who's interested in reading specifically for the younger ages, I think that is an essential podcast and many, many others. Um, Thanks for speaking with me, Ken.
1: Thanks. It's a pleasure. I'm not usually on this other side of the microphone, so this is a new experience for me. That's fine. We'll we'll try and
0: keep it nice and comfortable for you. Oh dear, <laughs> yeah. I got that. <laughs> you got that pun in early. That's good. <laughs> so, what's your history then in broadcasting and podcast? How did you get started?
1: Kind of by accident. Um, following what happened with the referendum vote in Scotland, I was really fascinated by what was, what was happening with Facebook and social media. Twitter was a little bit still in its infancy, so kind of Facebook was ruling the roost at the time. And what I found was that people were talking a lot about, in, you know, situations like the referendum in Scotland, yeah. but there were so many people talking at the, at the same time that a lot of good conversation was being lost. So what happened was I decided to look at an idea of taking the original concept of the Tumblr blog and building it into a purpose-built website where writers and thinkers not necessarily leading writers and thinkers could have a platform to write articles. So yep. we came with this idea called Europe United. It was basically uh, pu- we're publishing articles every week. And these were by, you know, people who were academics and or either just people who are social commentators and so on. And yep. after about two or three years, it was beginning to build up. It was getting quite a big following and had a lot of people writing from, for it from all over Europe. But what I found was that, um, I was losing kind of control over what I wanted it, what why I wanted it to go. I felt that we needed to branch out into other forms of media. So I suggested the idea that we start doing podcasts. Um, as it turned out at that time, there was the European elections, which was around 2018. So I went and got a grant yeah. off the Irish government. It was things, this thing called Communicating Europe, which gave you a grant of a few grand where you can, you know, do a project based around something to do with Europe and something to do with Ireland, which of course where I am. So, we did this project where we did a number of podcasts on the European elections. And it ran in conjunction with articles as well. And that's how it happened. Like, I have a fair bit of experience in the music business. I would have spent the vast majority of my 90s, you know, doing a lot of backup work, production work, and backing solo singing stuff, all that kind of thing, songwriting. Because at the time in Ireland, there was a big, build, you know, a burgeoning pop music scene. Yeah. It boy's own Westlife, all that kind of thing. So you had cynics like me just, you know, doing it purely for the money and, you know, writing stuff or trying to, you know, get stuff produced or published so that we could get other people to go up and make a show themselves singing on. So um, that's where I got my experience from. But it was mostly analog stuff. You know, I had a fair idea of Cubase, but, you know, by the time it got to 2018, that whole scene had completely changed. So I knew I had to do the podcasting. I knew I was the one that could do it. But I didn't really know how to do it. So what I did was I went with the you know the most basic form, and just bought myself a Zoom H6, which is one of those portable you know digital recording units. Yeah. And uh, I said, okay, going to do it this way, and that's how it started. We we started our first podcast was was actually in the media center in the European Parliament, the actual building itself, the European Commission. Uh, which was very nerve-wracking because we I just basically walked around this very busy promenade where you'd have lots of people that you would know if you're into that kind of thing, grabbing them and saying, hey, if you've got five minutes to do an interview, you know flashing them this card and saying I'm from an you know media platform in Ireland called European I now oh Ireland, yeah, yeah. So you know within the space of five minutes we had three or four people you know in this round table conversation. and I did it with my colleague Stella, who was involved in the organization as well and she was gang. she came from the music business side. She was trying to get into radio. So for her, it's really suited her at the time. And, you know, after like an hour, we just looked at each other and said, holy hell, you know, we've actually just done our first podcast. And we did, we did a podcast that was probably would have scared a lot of people. If somebody had said to me, by the way, today you're going to do a roundtable conversation with, you know, various MEPs talking about the situation regarding the European elections. I would have said, no way am I going to do that. But we just did <laughs> it. So, you know, that's, that's how we got into it. So what happened was then we did you know, an entire uh, series of that. That was around for about 12 or 13 podcasts and bringing in various politicians and so on. And it was a great learning curve for me because what I had to do was I had to take whatever was on the H6 because I was using the H6 in my office as well. Yeah. And I had, a, I went on yeah. to Thoman.ie or whatever they called in Toman Europe and bought myself like four microphones for 25 quid in this case. They were ripoffs of the SM58s, yeah. you know, plugged them in, used them and it just worked fine. Because I had a still once I got that my head around the modern editing, which in turn turned out to be simpler than when it was when I was using it. So it was a lot easier. So I said, you know, I didn't need to go out and buy any of the Adobe platforms. They all cost way too much money. So I, I used the basic Audacity, and I just said, "Grant, grab that." It was very simple to use, and uh, I just began to edit and record them. You know, so I get people on. At the time, we were using uh, uh some not using Zoom. We were using those different other platforms, You'd clean feed, and all those type of platforms. So I was still finding my way, which what was the best. And uh, you know, we we finished that whole series, and I really developed everything by the time of the end. You know how to just record, edit, and produce and publish podcasts. And I really kept. It, I've been since then I've been keeping it to the same format, which is just keeping it very simple. So you know, throughout the last couple of years, then we've done various different podcasts, which we'll probably talk about at a later stage. But what I tend to do is I tend to say, I lose interest real quick. I kind of say, I can't do the same podcast for the next five years. That would right. kill me. So what I tend to do is set, I set myself a target. I say, okay, we're going to do 10 episode series of this concept. So I, I can, by the time it gets to the 10th episode, some other new ideas come up in my head so I can say, okay, it's time to go rather than saying, Jesus, I have to keep doing this all the time. So that's, that was, that's really my goal. My, I'm very itchy when it comes to stuff like that. But so that's where we are, you know, and like the, the organization has morphed into another organization called the European Network, but we still do a lot of podcasts. Um, And I like the concept I have is that I do like to work with other people, but I don't generally work well in the team. But I love having, say, somebody who's a co-presenter or a co-researcher. That idea works well with me. And, uh, you know, it's been like that since then. We've had a lot of ideas, which I can probably reveal today, a few exclusives. But um, yeah, the concept is to just keep going. So do a set of podcast series. Then pick up a new idea and run with that as well. And um, I think, I think for me, it keeps my podcast interests going because I don't have to get worried about whether or not I have to continue this. You know, so you, so for me, it's it's keeping this, the the bulls going, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things there that you mentioned just just in passing, the uh, th- throwing yourself in at the deep end, shall we say, for that first time it's those sort of moments that actually stand out in some ways, because I remember that my first ever episode of this, it was thrown on me in a sense, because I was I was preparing to start the podcast, and then the person who was going to be the first guest, I sent him the bullet points, like, you know, you, you know, and everybody knows that I yeah. do these points just that we follow to get mm-hmm. the basic gist. And he sent me a message back, and this was like two weeks before I was due to start, and he said... I'll start the Zoom chat now and we'll get it done now. Oh, okay. Two weeks before I was ready, you see. So here's me preparing. (laughs) So that's one that jumped out at me from that. And then the two weeks later when I actually started officially recording them, on the first day when I did five shows in one day, Mm. uh, one of those shows uh, was somebody who for a living, He actually is one of the managers of a big uh, entertainment group. And so he interviews people like, you know, Tarantino, Mm -hmm. Clint Eastwood, all these people. And so to me, this was like a big thing, getting this guy onto the show. And then there was a back and forth from him. And and then he um, he said, oh, I can't make it about 15 minutes before the time. He said, I can't make it for that time. I'm going to have to push it back an hour. And I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then, about half an hour later, he sent me a message back saying, "Can we do it now?" And oh. you've got and you've got thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, like, okay. right, right, okay. So, but it's these moments that, because that put me into that position, then I had to make sure that I stuck to what was rigidly there and got what was needed, as opposed to going off on too many tangents, shall mm. we say? And I had to stick to that. In in a way, it's. It's that learning curve that you get that you constantly, as you keep doing it, the more and more that you learn.
1: Yeah. And the funny thing is, I think, if you're going to do a podcast where you're going to interview people, um, this is an argument that I find all the time on online, especially when people are discussing how they do this. Um, I'm very much a stickler for a script. In other words, giving them something in advance so it prepares yeah. them. I guess I get that from doing debates. I've done a lot of debates you know, live debates, on table debates and so on. And, you know, you want the topics to be given to the people who are going to be your guests in advance so they, they're not they're not stumbling over the words or they're not dwelling on something too long. And I find if you can do that with podcasting, you get a much tighter podcast. You're not sitting there waiting for them to think about something. Uh, and I find it depends on who you do it with. Like, for example, if you do musicians, authors, or uh, say, writers or anybody like journalists particularly their grants they love that uh yep. sometimes then you might say our more artistic people don't like that they tend to say it tends to give them too much room to say oh i don't really want to do that topic or i don't so you, you kind of experience kind of brings you into a notion where you say w- with a particular type of person or in a particular type of industry you know who you're going to try that tactic with and then sometimes you might just say i'm going to leave that tactic politicians for example um you know they're such, they're, they look like they're going to, no matter what you give them, no matter what questions you give them, they're not probably going to give ever give you the answers that you want. So you have to be prepared to follow up. So I always find, you know, my questions, if I'm talking to politicians, the the second question is more important, which they don't know. And they yeah. never will know until they give me the answer. I know that they're going to give me one of two answers and I have an answer, for, but I've returned, you know, a report, a repeat question based on those two answers. So I think you're right. It's You know some people would say, "Oh no, I don't. I don't like giving them anything at all." But I, I think if you're not well known, or if it's the first time you've contacted somebody about this, and you you've just out of blue, they've never heard of your podcast, you have to give them something. I think because they might get just a bit too suspicious. They might think this might be somewhere There's they got gotcha you moment yes. because that's happening nowadays with real life. You know, so I think you have to give give somebody a bit a bit of leeway, and you have to give them something in return if they're going to give you an hour or an hour or two time. You know, it's only fair. I think.
0: Yeah, but also if they don't know what they're coming into from the off, you run the risk of it going wrong seriously. Because, I mean, I was only watching earlier on, I'm completely different. I was watching an interview earlier on or a clip from when they were interviewing Tom Cruise. And this right. person who's an Australian interviewer suddenly went off script and started mm-hmm. asking him about his relationship with his pre- with one of his ex-wives. And it's like, yeah, I've seen even me, I watched it and I'm like, that is just so wrong. You do not yeah. do that. You don't mm-hmm. go into those areas. There was no reason for the interviewer to go there. And that could easily cause the end of that conversation altogether, understandably.
1: Yeah. Or the, or the career of the interviewer. Yeah. Look, I mean, this, this is a crazy move. I've seen that video myself, and I tend to send that to some of my friends when they're asking me about doing a podcast. This is how you not do it. It's, it's up there with the top 10. Do not do it from an interview. And I think the issue there is that some of Australian media is very heavily based on UK media. Yep. So they love getting those gotcha moments. It's the news of the world type of thing. And there are certain people that you know you can tackle with on that. And then there are other people who you just cannot go that way. And personally, I would do anything to have an interview with Tom Cruise. Yes. I can tell you this up straight. Yep. None of my interview would be about his personal life. I actually don't care about that. No. Um. I only had a conversation today about Top Gun. Somebody seen Top Gun and, and they were saying, yeah, but you know, you got to look at him. He's a bit mad and all that kind of thing. And I said, them, I completely remove that from him? Because at the end of the day, he entertains me. That's his job. And he does a damn good job of entertaining me. So if I was going to interview Tom Cruise, Believe me, I'd have a long list of questions and they would be all about how he entertains me. Because I think my listeners would want to have those questions. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's crazy. You waste a great opportunity, don't you? Yep.
0: Yeah, you waste a great opportunity to do a great, uh, do a deep dive in that situation and get some behind the scenes of some of his best films. You know, that you, even yeah. I, who've never done that sort of interview or chat, even I would know that, I'll look at, right, so I'll discuss Rain Man, I'll discuss Born on the 4th of July, I'll go into this area, that area, the other area, and I won't want to touch any of that private side whatsoever.
1: Mm -hmm. Or why why has he not decided to do anything like, say, Netflix movies or anything like that? Is he the last of the great matinee stars? You know, those people who are untouchable and no matter what, they don't go below the certain line. Within you know the movie making business, yeah, it's like you. But you did a good, you did a great interview with Martin Ware. did Thank you? you from Heaven Seventeen. Yeah, and yeah. I loved that interview, and um, it was great because I was listening to that because first of all, I'm a massive fan of Sheffield New Wave stuff. You know, me too. Be it Human League, yeah. ABC, or Heaven Seventeen. Now, I always loved Heaven Seventeen because I always thought they were having a laugh while they were doing it. The other two were really serious. You know, it Martin Ware and and uh, I can't remember. It's gone Glenn, out of my head. Glenn Gregory. Gregory, yeah. Glenn Gregory, yeah. Glenn Gregory always reminded me of the Cheshire Cat yes. in Alice in Wonderland. Just a <laughs> constant grin, this constant don't don't let him near your sister, you know, this kind of thing. He just had that cheeky look in his eye that always looked like, how the hell have I ended up doing this? But I just love it. And I love Martin, Martin and I love Ian Craig Marsh because... They look like nutty scientists and behind yes. the whole thing. And they just look great. They didn't actually give a damn about their Juran Juran kind of image. You know, the lads were, they look like yuppies, you know, from a Channel 4 movie. Yeah, they just played fantastic music. And I love that interview done with him because he looked like the type of guy that you could just have a beer with.
0: Yeah. And so to, to go behind the scenes with that one is that uh, uh, I think you might, you probably heard on, the, I probably left it on the, on the show that I suddenly did a uh, a pivot on the show mm. where what happened was that I realised that I was in a situation where I didn't want to just do, shall we say, a standard show and just look at his mm. show because I thought it was too important to miss his history and his importance mm. in the history of music. So I thought sod it I'm gonna go there and eventually that will lead into because it is the history of the show essentially that's how it came about that is to be able to do this so I thought I'll go for it and that's what I went for really proud
1: of it No it was brilliant yeah yeah it's great I mean it's it's brilliant and you you know I got the chance to interview major and yes. I had to be very careful about how I was going to do this I you know all my experience came into play. You know, I had to take this kind of moment and just put it in my hand in the box, you yeah. know, and, and like it happened to me. And I, I knew I had, say, five seconds to, to get that emotion out of me and I'm over the questions. So I sent him over the topics and questions. And I went, I'm sure you heard that I went with a very specific interview, looked at his one of his best albums as a band, Ultravox, one of his best albums, a solo. How the production came about with Band Aid, rather than tell us all about Band Aid, because you know he's been asked that questions a million times. But why I wanted to find out more of the actual technical side of how the, the actual song was produced, the the yeah. actual single. And then I looked at you know various other things like you know what's he doing been re- doing recently, how does he feel about reunions and stuff like that. So I was kind of very had to be very careful about that. I knew I had an hour, so I knew I didn't. I list I listened to a lot of other podcasts that he'd done. I forgot about all the interviews on TV and stuff. They were way, you know, they weren't looking what I'm for. So I wanted to listen to other people who are obviously interviewing, who are same boat as me. And I tried to, you know, stay away from what they've done. So, yeah. So it started like just this here. The Zoom call came on. I I saw his face. I, you know, every childhood emotion <laughs> came back. I just literally my fist and went five seconds, five seconds, took a breath and just went for it. And, you know, that's the best advice that I think I can give to people who they do get the opportunity through podcasting to interview somebody that they really wanted to interview is don't take it like a machine gun and try and hit every spot. You know, pick yeah. two or three important aspects that you think you can sympathize with your guest about. And then that's all about doing your research. Like, for example, I did my research and I've had, I knew that Midge generally had a very favorable thoughts about you know, the uh, their second Ultravox album that he did, Rage in Eden, because I'd seen it that, you know, the whole tour that they did in 2008 was related around Rage in Eden. So I knew he'd, he'd like to talk about that, you know. And then yeah. I said, based on that, I kind of have a very slight question about the album that he did with Ultravox that he was probably not so fond of, which was their final album. But I didn't dwell on that. So I didn't ask him, oh, you know, this or that. I just left it at the one question and moved on. So I think if I was going to give advice to people about interviewing somebody, as I said, that they really wanted to interview is try not to let the moment take over. Get your moment, maybe have a conversation if you can with the guest before you do the recording. That can be a couple of days beforehand or whatever. Get that out of your system. And then once you get that out of your system, you can, you can do a good interview. But if you let the emotion take over, what's going to happen is you're going to start going off uh, you know, script and asking those questions like, Where's your favorite jacket? You know, because you know stuff like that. That jacket you wore in that video, have you still got it? Because that's you know that you're stepping into fanboy stuff, and that can either be that can either be grace or it can go horribly wrong.
0: Yeah, Midge, do you still own the trench coats that you wore <laughs> on the Vienna video?
1: He does, and it's in a museum, as far as I know, <laughs> along with his grey Stratocaster, which he played on Live Aid. But Ooh. you see, that was I already did my research. I looked through his Twitter feed, going back four or five years, and I said, okay, there it is. Any questions on gear is not going to come into play. And actually, I, I know a fair bit about uh, synthesizers and stuff like that. I've got a lot of experience with that. So I, I could have I could have gone down that road, but I knew I'd lose a rack of listeners if I did that. Suddenly, it would just become techno, you know, and before you know, and I don't mean techno as in the, the music genre. I mean, technical, which is we'd end up start talking about MIDI and, you know, uh, more moogs and it would just go away and I'd lose tons of people. They wouldn't, they'd listen to five minutes of that and go away. So no, that's, that's been done already as well. So no, no, it's it's definitely not a go. That's one of my don't do when you're, when you're doing an interview with people.
0: Well, by approaching that subject, by, by approaching uh, Midge in that way, I thought the, one of the interesting pulls from that was the information you got on the, the, what, like you said, the production of, band-aid itself and the actual creation of the backing track i thought that was fascinating because i mean i heard before that it was all midge anyway and then it was all brought in but to actually yeah. get midge to say that and then go into real detail in how he honed that and got that to that sort of standard before taking it into the studio and then all that i thought that was fascinating and i thought that was a great a great get really of a, of an interview and information
1: well, you see, I think the whole thing about Band-Aid slash Live Aid is that people just associate, you know, Bob Geldof with the whole process. And yep. there's no, dis- no mistake in the fact that Geldof as a musician and a songwriter is pretty damn good. I mean, over here in Ireland, he's still considered a bit of a legend. Yep. So uh, as being an Irish person, I didn't generally have any interest in that because it's been done already. Whereas I felt that the story behind the pod- the, uh, the actual production of the-, the song itself is a little bit lost. You know it also like the one thing that the thing I got away from it was that Midge had did all the instruments, Bar Collins banging away on his drums, which yep. Phil Collins would obviously have to do, him being Phil Collins. You know, yep. it's like you know, if Phil Collins walks in the room in the 1980s, you know, there's no bargaining with the guy, so sometimes that can go horribly wrong, <laughs> as we saw him do further on in live aid with Led Zeppelin. But you know, th- these are the things that I'm sure Midge would like to talk about. Well, if I because it's something probably I would like to talk about, and I think, um. Again, with that, it was just looking at a slightly different angle and answering questions for people that maybe have always thought about who wrote the song, what way was the song written, so on and so on.
0: Hey, it's the boys from Saw Spoken, and we are so glad that
1: you are listening to our new friend, Marv, and his podcast, Pods Like Us. Yeah, we were recently on the show for a couple of episodes, and we really enjoyed it. And if you'd like to catch a little bit more of us with all the raunchiness and sauce-based humor that you're used to, feel free to check us out on our show.
0: But in the meantime, keep enjoying Pods Like Us with Marv. We enjoyed talking with Marv as much as we hope you enjoy listening to him. Now back to the show. Absolutely. Um, so you know we've got, we've gone on to the a show that we're going to speak about some other time and that, for anyone oh, yeah. listening that is uh, that is one of the standout episodes for me of the comfortable spot. Thanks very much. It's great. <laughs> so for anybody out there then, here we go. let's get mm. your brain working. Okay What shows do you actually produce?
1: Right. Well, there's a few I've done. Obviously, the one I did was the it was called Eurochat. That is available. All of these are available. I'm going to start with the European network, right? So all of these are available on the European network. If you just search it on any of your favorite podcast platforms, you'll find it there. So we had Eurochat, which was from 2018 to around 2020. Then we did a podcast series, which was dedicated to Uh, another conference which was happening in Europe last year. It was supposed to happen in 2021. It happened in 2022 because of COVID. It was called The Future of Europe. Now, I'm not necessarily a fanboy of the European Union or anything like that, but obviously, you know, I'm quite interested in the structure of it. So what we did was we did a podcast series called The Future of Europe, but we looked at kind of the other things that weren't being brought up in this conference. Because when these conferences get together, be national, international, whatever it is, Tory party, Labour party, you know, Democrats in America, or SDP in Germany, they always come up with the same ideas, you know, the big think tanks, you know, climate, uh, you know, population growth, immigration, all of those things. So I tried to look at this idea from a slightly different concept. For example, Europe is a hodgepodge of languages. So we did a podcast on language yeah. and we just didn't talk about languages, but we picked an idea of saying, well, let's look at the Irish language, because it's a really good example of how it is beginning to flourish under the concept of the European Union, which is kind of weird. It shouldn't really, you know, but it's doing better now since it's been in the European Union than it did in the 50 years of Ireland being an inter- independent state. Now, there's yep. a million reasons for that. But at the end of the day, the money that's going into that is helping it because it means that the moder- the languages are being modernized. So we looked at that as a basis of talking about other minority languages, be they Welsh or be they, you know, from Lombardy or Brittany languages or Basque. So that was one episode we did. So you'll get the idea if you go and have a listen to the podcast. It isn't, please let me tell people, it's not a pro-EU. It's it's just conversations about things that people will have to deal with or are currently dealing with in Europe. And Europe could be Britain. It could be Iceland, it could be Cyprus or whatever. So that's the idea I came up. With. Like, for example, we talked about people from non-European countries living and working in the European Union. And what are the advantages and disadvantages of them? For example, one disadvantage is that if you come from another country and you go to live study in Germany, education is 100% free, okay. which is amazing. You know? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So, it's not free in Ireland. It's supposed to be, but they have these admin fees that come into 20 or 30,000. It's not free in the UK. No, you know, it's certainly not free in the United States. So, you know, these are things that we wanted to examine. So, as a student, if you're going to go to Europe to study, Germany should be on top of your list. But the disadvantage of that is that you have to learn German. You have to be pretty good at it too, because not only do you have to learn it to be in class. You also have to learn it from an administration point of view, because if you go into Germany and try and get your social security card, if you don't speak German, they're not going to speak English. No, this is not, you know, the tourist section of Berlin. This is somewhere, you know, might be uh, Saxony or somewhere like that. They, that's where your university is. You're not, you're on your own. So. These are the type of things that we tried to bring up within the podcast, you know, and discuss on a bigger bigger way. So that ran for about 10 episodes, 15 episodes. And then I did one podcast which I'm really proud of actually. And I'm really proud of it actually in the current light. Um a colleague a friend of mine, her name is Laura Dana and she's from uh, Moldova. She got in touch with me uh, about publishing an article which was featuring interviews with 15 sorry, five or six young people who lived in live in Moldova. Yeah. And I thought, you know, Okay, that's a good idea. So as I thought about it while talking to this girl, I said, you know what? I said, "That's a, it's a terrible idea to publish it as an article. I said, because you're going to record these people. So why don't we just do a podcast on it? Yep. So to sum up, what we did was we took all six of those interviews and we set them up in a separate episode and then I played the host and the idiot in the room who doesn't know anything about Moldova. Yep. And then she was the expert. So we discussed the topics that were raised in each interview. But what really amazed me was she got such a fantastic array of young people. So like she had, for example, one person who was a musician, a classical musician. Then we had another person who was a young doctor. We had a young journalist and we had, uh, geez, we had somebody who worked in social media, who was a social media influencer. So the, she really captured all of the modern kind of array of young people. And uh, I think that for me, that was probably my proudest production I've done so far, even more than what I'm doing now, because it it was a concept that I had. And I said, this concept should be used more, you know, because what happens is I think sometimes you have a case where, you know, people do an interview and then they discuss it with two experts. They're an expert. The other person's an expert. And they discuss an interview that they've done with somebody else. Yeah. But I think if you really want to capture, so you've got three people you need to capture. So with the Moldovan Coffee Break, we had people in Moldova. Then we had people, Europeans, who knew nothing about Moldova. And then we had Europeans who knew a good bit about Moldova. So what we did was we tried to capture all of that and bring it into one podcast. So it was only six six episodes. You know, they were 45 minutes long. They were really well put together. Sure, she was amazing. Her Her English was fantastic, you know, and... For me, it's probably the most successful one we've had so far. I won an award Road, uh The Rode, uh pod, you know, the company that do all the podcasting equipment, they, they liked it. So it's been, it was on a few shortlists for awards as well. And, uh, you know, I'm really popular with that. I'm really fond of that one because I think it was just an idea that came together by chance. And it could have gone one way, but I said, no, my kind of, I tried to bring it. My idea was to try and bring it all into one and kind of do more than just have an interview and a conversation. So I think it worked pretty well. And I like the name as well, too. <laughs> the whole idea is people sit down and have a coffee. So, you know, I think it worked pretty well. So then the um, other one idea was with my daughter, Lydia. That's kind of that's just another world. Lydia would hear me doing the podcasting. And she said to me when she was about seven, I'd love to do podcasting. She's always been a crazy book reader. She'd read a book quicker than I ever could. Yep. So I said to her, what would you like to do? And she said, well, I'd like to talk about books on my podcast. So I said, okay, you can review books. I said, what about that? And she said, yeah, that's a great idea. So what I did, I looked, I went online, like I was kind of, you know, I'm good at, I always feel the worst thing to do when you have a podcast idea is that you suddenly realize that two or three people have it out there as well. So I said, right, I'm going to check this. So I looked up children's book review podcasts and I came across two types of people that do it. A, mothers and fathers who have kids and B, teachers, right? So and every single one of them were adults. There was nowhere I found, I'm sure it's probably changed now, but two years ago, you could not find any podcast where kids were talking about kids' books. You know, and they have them on YouTube, kid reviews, kids review toys and stuff like that, but not as a podcast. I think it's because people kind of assume that podcast is kind of an adult toy for a lot of people. You know, they don't, they want to close the door on the family and do their podcast. But what I found, that two things worked for me about that podcast. A, it introduced Lydia to technology without flooding her brain with it. So she's used to now. She knows how the process works. And B, it enabled her to kind of get more involved in a hobby that she already enjoys. So we don't have a deadline to it. We don't kind of say, okay, we have to do this podcast every Saturday at nine o'clock because she's a kid and she likes to do her own things. And sometimes there might be a gap between, say, each podcast of two, three weeks, and then we might do a roll of, you know, one every week. So I kind of just leave it like that. I let it be a moment where it's a kind of a moment where we can just have some fun together. And of course, I play the absolute idiot. You know, I don't deliberately don't read the books. So she has to kind of tell me what the books are all about. And, you know, we just have fun with that. They can be all types of books, you know, and she just loves reading comics, magazines, novels, whatever. And, uh, you know, I think that's working. It's probably something I probably need to do more with. But um, I want her to probably to just get a little bit older, maybe. And so she can kind of get the feel for podcasting herself and kind of dictate the way she wants the podcast to go more than me, Uh, because I'm an adult. And I generally, although I have, you know, my own two daughters and when you're around your kids all day, you kind of become a kid in some ways. But I still don't really understand kids. And, you know, I still don't know what they really want to do. So I want to give Lydia a couple of years to kind of develop that and come back to me and say, well, here's how I want my podcast to go. And that may be involving YouTube or, you know, something like that or TikTok. I don't know. But for the moment, it's a great chance for me and her just to get together. And I love doing it. You know, it's it's great fun. And, uh, you know, that's that's where we are. It's two years on. I still get as much enjoyment out of it. You know, we have a six year old daughter, Lucy. I've no doubt in my mind she's going to come in at some point and boot me out. So it's going to be Lydia and Lucy's, you know, book review. And that'll be fun. Then, you know, then, you know, you're kind of been retired, but I can be like, you know, Brian Clough on the sidelines. you know. So yeah, that's where we are. I mean, I do have a new project. I don't already want to hear about that. Go ahead. Go on. Well, we've got this very exciting project and I think it's pretty exciting because I don't think it's been done before. What we've done is we've looked at, you know, women generally in podcasting. And I felt that there isn't enough women in podcasting actually. And sometimes the podcasts that women who are doing podcasting it, they seem to be copying off each other. So, uh, you know, I I felt I wanted to do a podcast that was for women actually, but not have me involved in any of the, you know, the presentation of it because I'm, I'm a middle-aged bloke. So, you know, if you're going to do a podcasting about women, there's no point in having a 50 year old guy talking about it. So what I decided to do is got this team together. We've got five girls, including Laura Dana, who was involved with the Moldovan coffee break. And we're taking a similar concept to the Moldovan coffee break but we're talking to six women from Greenland and we're going to talk to them about life in Greenland living in Greenland you know working in Greenland we've got six different people from different walks of life there and we're just going to present the podcast then in a very similar way to the Moldovan coffee break except I won't be obviously doing it we've got two great young journalists we've got a Danish Irish journalist Who's gone who has done the interviews already, and then we have another Irish girl who's pretty good at podcasting. She's gonna take the role that I took in the Moldovan coffee break. And we're gonna do something similar to that. And I think it's I think it's important because everyone, you know, a lot of people have opinions about this country, this Greenland. You know, it's 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 either somewhere so far away that people just know it exists, or either people have opinions on it and saying, Oh, you know, it's 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 part of the mark. So we're just trying to change that and trying to give people an insight into the country. And you know, women are great for that because they're great people that are talking about not about themselves. <laughs> because you know that yourself. Those fellas are terrible. We just end up talking about ourselves a lot. And so we we felt that it was an opportunity to promote women uh, and promote their, especially women in regional areas like this, because that country's going through a change. It's either going to go one way or the other in the next twenty or thirty years. Because it's being heavily affected by climate change and so on. So that's where we are. That's probably probably going to get that out around September. But I think that's going to be, you know, something that I'll be, again, proud of. Actually, even though I will probably only have my name on it, just, you know, nobody will know even I'm doing it. And I'm very happy with that. So that's 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 kind of me moving into production rather than just presenting and production as well. So that's where I am. And then I have the comfortable spot you know anybody can that's the most that's the easiest that's the easiest podcast ep- series I've done you know it's just me talking to people I really like and admire and it comes very easy to me you know so th- maybe we can talk about that again and you probably have a load of other questions you want to ask so I'm waffling on a bit there <laughs> that's that's fine I mean
0: you you know that I have I have a load of questions ready for when we do talk about the comfortable spot
1: yeah 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 probably you talk about that again
0: in passing, since you started the uh, the Booktastic podcast with, with mm. Lydia, there is a uh, there are a couple of actual podcasting groups who do shows that are particularly for the young younger listener, and one that jumps out at me mm-hmm. is a company called Message Erd, or Message. I'm trying to say it with the H because I'm, I'm Northern, I can't say H's, um, yeah. so um, and they do. Interesting shows like, what is it? The Old Man in the Boat. And that's, that's sort of like, almost like mm-hmm. an educational show at the same time as being fun. And it's fictional as well. And all sorts of shows like that. So if anybody's actually looking for shows that are specifically for the younger audience, because I think mm-hmm. that's, I think that's an audience that needs to be looked at a bit more, because like you said, it's not seen because... Podcast scene is seen as sort of like an adult thing, you know, for adults to listen to this. And, this. and I think if you are taking the old style radio approach, they have had kids radio shows before. So why not expand the yep. podcasting for so that you make shows that are specifically for the younger listener as well? And I think that's a great idea. You could even have something like, why don't you? If, if you remember as kids, is that you yeah. could have something like <laughs> yeah. that with that's just mm-hmm. kids. Doing kids things on a show for kids, yeah. so there you go.
1: I think probably YouTube has done has done damage to that the development of children being involved in podcasting, either presenting or, you know, being a major part of a series. Because for yep. YouTube, the visual aspect of kids doing things is much more attractive. Um, kids love YouTube as well, so it's easy for them. Like you know, they can just go onto their tablet or laptop or whatever, and they can find YouTube really quickly. And you know, color imagery is very important to children it excites them it gets them motivated so i think podcasts for kids is is a hard sell so as you say you what i decided with the podcast that i'm doing with my daughter is that i'm there as well as her so that the way i saw it is it's 15 minutes at most 15 minutes long yep. so i imagined a seven minute you know car ride to the school in the morning and then a seven minute car ride home from the school So that's the whole idea. So that the mother will shut the kids up in the back. They're screaming and shouting. They're fighting over sandwiches. Kids, put this on. Lydia's podcast is on. It's ready now. There's a new episode. Keeps them quiet and it keeps them entertained. And then they're finding out about books. And then on the episode coming back, the next part, they come home and, you know, they can listen to the second part of it. So that's how I looked at it, because I suppose it kind of has to be that family thing. You know, you have to get moms and dads or. And kids to sit down and listen together Because kids aren't They're not technically uh, drawn towards podcasting They're drawn towards YouTube They're drawn towards CBBs or wherever that And the CBBs apps and stuff like that That are available So if you're going to get them into podcasting I think it has to be a family affair Which is why I thought Rather than Lydia do it on her own Or rather than me do it on my own I think it's better than I'm kind of like the dopey dad And she's the expert Yeah, And it kind of Oh Lydia's great and her dad's an idiot You know, so that's that's the whole idea. But the mums and dads are listening to it and they're going, you know, they're taking notes. I better get that book in the library or whatever. And that's how it works. So, yeah, I think you have to have something if you're going to bring children into podcasting, it has to be something that is, you know, goes beyond what they're maybe used to, something that's different.
0: Yeah, but you also... With that, I mean, we, we don't want to we don't want to linger on this for too long. This, this subject we want to carry on with because, like I said, I mean, eventually, hopefully, we'll look into that more at another date. But it hits the mark in another way where it's a bite sized show, essentially. Like I said, it gives you what you need, doesn't stick around for too long, tells you gone hmm. on to the next thing, and it, it's got that sort of almost like old style children's television approach where when we were younger you'd have programmes that were on from four till quarter to five or thereabouts and they would be five to 15 minutes at the most long programmes that followed on from each other.
1: Yeah, and we tried the longer concept and it didn't work because what happened was I found out, uh, you know, about five or six episodes in that Lydia's friends were listening to it and they were they were drifting away after about 10 minutes. And I realised, I said, that's perfect. It's the all oh, good. The all. It's like gold dust feedback. You know when when you know Lydia comes into me and she has five or six of these besties that she hangs around with. They're like something now the cookie crew. You know, there's five or six of them. They're all from different backgrounds and they're all different. You know, two of them are not even Irish. And it's perfect. It's the ultimate demographic. And I said to them, "What do they think of your podcast?" Then you interviewed that that famous author. They didn't really care. They just wanted to hear the that that da da, 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 And then, you know, me making Egypt of myself. And then when it goes into the interview with the famous author of a very famous book, they all know, they drifted off after five minutes. So if we are going to do the interviewing thing, it has to be more interactive. For example, we'd have to get one of the authors maybe to read something from the book or something like that, rather than asking them what, what I realized making the mistake was that I was asking adult questions. I was trying to ask children's questions, but I wasn't getting it right. Yeah, She's older now to kind of, Ask those questions. And um, I think that's where we have to go. But we still stay with the 15 minute format. I keep them because I live in a rural area. It takes seven minutes for the average person around here to get their kids to school. And, you know, they usually do kind of carpooling. So there's seven or eight going back and forth in two different cars throughout the week. So our idea is get the podcast on. They'll sit and listen to it and then, they're you know, they'll do it at home. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. This, if you're going to do kids part, it has to be swift and fast paced as well so that kids can run with it rather than if they sit there to get bored, they start twiggling with their fingers or whatever. And then you've lost them. a bit like adults, really. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so-
0: do you have a set then do you have a set way that you do each show then that you approach them do you do them all the same or do you approach a different show according to what type of show it is are you talking about lydia's podcast any any show any podcast that you start to be involved with do you approach okay. them in, in the same way every time
1: yes and i think i do it for two reasons number one it makes my brain happier yeah. And number two, I do like formatting. I do like the idea that people get used to a format and that they stick with that because it makes them feel comfortable. If you change too much, I think you can risk losing people. Like, for example, with the comfortable spot, I try and not ask or talk as much as I can. You know, I try to let the, the, the guests do all the talking. And some of the people who have known me from other podcasts say, geez, is your first quiet, you know, <laughs> and I say, yeah, but that's the idea of the podcast Whereas my previous podcast, I'd have been doing the classic Jeremy Paxson. Well, hang on a minute. Hold on there. You said five minutes ago you're going to do this. But that's obviously a completely different type of podcast. Yeah. And then, yeah, so you can see what I was just saying. Like I'm taking the same format that we did with the uh, the Moldovan Coffee Break and applying that format to the Greenland podcast because it actually suits the podcast. It works well, you know, because we're again, we're trying to do the same thing. We're trying to get people from Greenland. We're trying to get people who think they know about Greenland, or maybe they should listen to this podcast and realize that they don't know anything about Greenland. And then we want to get people who are interested in women's issues. So, you know, the format works. You do need somebody presenting the show who is not necessarily going to give their opinion. And then you need somebody who has done the interview and has done a bit of homework on the issues and topics that were raised within that interview. So, yeah, I do like the formats. I do think they work. I've heard, I listen to podcasts sometimes and I know that they change because they probably think that their podcast is going to be, you know, dead, slow paced or it maybe it's running out of steam. That's absolutely fine. But I have found that podcasts sometimes you're a little bit all over the place. Uh, one thing I don't like at all is when y- you listen to a podcast and then they just go straight into it. Hello, my name is John and this is what I'm going to do today. And then the next week they have a really long intro, intro with music. and You know, you're kind of sitting there going, I want to give you the chance. <laughs> I'm finding it difficult because I can't get comfortable listening to your podcast. I don't know what you're going to do. So I do like, you know, intro music, same intro music, same length of time. Yeah. Maybe that's the old school record producer in me. But, you know, I like to have formats. I think that it makes people, they they know what they're going to get. And they, they're if they if if they're sticking with you, they're going to be happy. But my new changes along the way are okay as well. As long as you just don't go rip up the page and say hey today we're just gonna end after 10 minutes you know so that's that's another thing that really annoys me as well i don't like podcast series that i listen to that are an hour and a half one episode and then they're 10 minutes in another which i've seen yeah which i can't understand i don't mind an hour or an hour and a half or something like that or actually i don't even mind if i've done it the odd time where you might say okay, this podcast is going on a little bit, but I'm just going to do this because the conversation is very interesting. At least you're giving your listener an opportunity. You know, they're looking at your, their watch watching. maybe they're going to work and they go, okay, I'll pause it now. And I'll listen to the rest later. But then you might have some guys and girls who do podcasting and they just, their times are all over the place. And that really wrecks my head because, you know, you might say, I'm going to listen to this episode of the stars at night and I'm going to help, it's going to put me to sleep. And then suddenly after 10 minutes it's finished and you're going, huh? <laughs> so yeah, so, you know, so i don't i don't i find that a little bit of the organization is good i don't know what you think i mean i i, I don't know whether you do that or not
0: i've had hmm, i've had half an hour episodes as i've mentioned before and then i've had episodes that have gone like the martin Weir one that went over two hours just over two hours hmm. but i thought that was essential to go with that to get that background of of martin work really yeah, but you
1: see, in the podcast you did say that though you see yes you said it twice so you said it at the very end the very start that we're going to start on something here and it's not necessarily what i intended the podcast episode to be about yeah then you went and you said okay now we're going to switch i can't remember exact words but basically you told me that this podcast is going to change yep. and it's going to be running for a little bit long i was happy with so I paused it there. And then I went back to the second part where he talked about his podcast. And, you know, I was going, Guy, Gary Newman. <laughs> so it's like, And I was glad that I paused it there because I was getting tired. It was late at night. And I wouldn't have heard that bit about Gary Newman. And I might not, not have gone back to the second part because I would have got ahead of me. But because you said to me, we're going to take a break here. I'm going to, sorry, we're not going to take We're going to switch the podcast. I said, OK, good time to stop. And then I was ready to listen to it the following evening, and I was i really glad I did because I got to hear that Martin Ware had Gary Newman on his podcast, you know. So yeah, I think that's good as long as you kind of give the the uh, the listeners some kind of you know uh, warning in advance or just notification that. It's not normally the time I do this with, but this is kind of, I'm keeping going because I think it's worth it. And I got that from radio, actually. You know the way sometimes in radio, they'll say, okay, we're going to have, the show is nearly over, so we're going to have to take two breaks because we didn't take any breaks because that conversation was so good. I don't mind that. I don't mind listening to five minutes of advertising on a radio station if it meant that the presenter had gone the extra mile just to get the better conversation because it was rolling so well. So yeah, I think it's okay. But you know what I mean about those guys just flip-flopping and all over the place. They're just, that, that can sometimes be, You know, you can't commit yourself to a podcast.
0: Hello to all of you boys next door, mums and dads, new weds and nearly deads, introducing Dangerous Amusements, a brand new podcast where we talk about the music of Elvis Costello. I'm Stu Arrowsmith and in each episode I'll be joined by a special guest to chat all things Elvis and I'll be asking them to help me compile the ultimate Elvis Costello playlist. So an interesting thing is that you, I, I get the impression that you have a very wide, varied taste in what you'd like to listen to and your forms of entertainment that you enjoy.
1: I think I just have an interest in pop culture. So yeah. it comes from my, you know, my life as a journalist. I, you know, you need, I remember sales guy telling me when I first, Started off working and I was thinking of going and doing sales. And we were I was working in this company, and this guy was the sales guy, you know. And he said to me, Um, could you do me a favor? There's a bit of uh, merchandise. Can you go out of the car and just get that out? So I got it, I got it in and I, I had a lovely car. He had one of those Scorpio Granadas, you know, and it was like, you know, it's perfect sales rep's car. <laughs> and I sat in the front seat, I said, this is lovely, you know, I had a golf or something like that, it was falling apart. So I and I looked, and he had a CD player. And I was like, this is like mid nineties. I was like, Jesus, a CD, so I had to, you know, had to have a look and see what he's into. Of course, he had like, you know, men at work, you know, the bit of Slade or something like that. Iron Maiden, you know. Then he had The Osmonds, and you know, it was this incredibly eclectic mix. So I said, ah, this guy's up for a slagging, you know. So I went up to and I said, yeah, come here. I had a look at your record collections. Absolutely dire. And he said to me, that's not my record collection. He said, that's my salesperson's record collection. I said, don't get that. And he said, well, he says, you know, when you're talking to your guests, your customers, you have to know all about them. So I listened to some of their music, all that music. So that when I'm talking to some guy, Gary from, you know, out in, out in Dublin, he loves the Iron Maiden. I can say to him, yeah, that's a great tune. Yeah. And I thought that's how you got to be if you want to present a very, you know, a, a kind of a, an eclectic TV show or a radio show or podcast. Or even if you want to be a DJ, you have to kind of be able to play The Clash, and then you have to be able to play you know, Enya, because that's what I think a lot of people do have generally in lives are are very eclectic. So when I looked at the Comfortable Spot podcast, I kind of wrote down all the people that I was interested in. Then I wrote down all of the interests that I was interested in, and I started to number them from one to whatever. And I found A, all the people I liked were from very different walks of lives. And then B, the subjects I was interested in were extremely varied. So yeah, I I think it works. I think it's all about getting people who are interesting to listen to. And I think generally you'll have somebody maybe who might've listened to my interview with Matt Kaplan from the Planetary Society because they like space. You know, they go, oh, that's a good interview. I like that. But then, you know, they might want to listen to, say, Lenahan, who talked about writing a book with the Irish president, because I think the whole standard starts to slip in. It's a bit like, you know, Parkinson's. You know, the, the, the actual the original Parkinson had that ability to have people sitting there because they like to hear good conversation. And you know yourself, right? Good conversation is gone from TV talk shows. Yeah, You know, whether it's Graham Norton or Jimmy Kimmel, they're only on to promote something. They're not on to discuss them or discuss something that's on. So when you look back at Dick Craven in America or you look back at the Parkinson. You know, the conversations were heated already, were kind of a bit wonky at times, but they were still great. You still look back on them and you still go, yeah, that's that's what, that's what actually a good conversation should be like. Because you got to make your guests feel comfortable, I think. And then you've got to be able to get something out of them. And uh, I think Parkinson and Dick Craven in the States had a, had a wonderful ability to do that. He'd sometimes just sit back and let the guest waffle, you know? And, you know, when the time was up, he'd kind of just step in very smoothly and not interject. So, um, yeah, it is. It's very eclectic. But, you know, there's there's a very famous um, TV show over here in Ireland called The Late Late Show. It's been running since yeah. 1963. And, there, you know, it's only had a couple of presenters over the years. But the most famous one was uh, Gay Bourne. And he used to, you know, he'd say, and, uh, you know, our sponsors today is, you know, uh, Mullahan uh, house in County Kerry. They have a beautiful hotel out there. And there's a night for everybody and one for everybody in the audience. So I kind of always had that in my head. I always think there has to be one for everybody in the audience. The one thing I would say that I am very careful about is that I truly believe in getting a good gender balance on the actual podcast. If you do have a lot of guys, the mood could change. So I, I when I'm looking at my guests, I try and even even that out. You know, it's a deliberate thing. I don't, I don't feel any shame in saying that, but you know, you have to have as many women on your podcast as men and whatever gender people want to be I don't know anybody in those genders, but actually I feel that I will begin to do that because I'm beginning to, you know, kind of domino effect, you know, when you're on Twitter and you're following people and then you come across other people. So, yeah, I think it's it's constantly, I constantly have that in mind more than anything else. But I don't know, do you think, I'm quite curious, you have a very eclectic mix as well on your podcasts. Is that because you just have podcasts? Because it's not always podcasters, is it?
0: No, it's not always podcasts. It started out as podcasts, but then because the, the show is called Pods Like Us and it looks at the... I've sort of stretched the, the idea of the show in a sense to include online content pre- providers. So now I've gone into people who provide, like, who make videos for YouTube channels. I mean, there's some really creative people creating animation and yeah. all sorts of entertainment on the internet. And it's something that grabbed my attention over the last year or so that I've seen that and I just thought that's something that perhaps needs to be looked into as well because Mm. I think it's an important part of what's going on and the change in modern popular culture basically pop culture um so I've, I've gone into that as well but Some other areas that I go into, I've had three people on who don't do podcasts at all, but they listen to podcasts. So that's turning on its head, and it's me asking them, why do you listen to podcasts, and what are you Mm -hmm. actually looking for in a podcast? So then that turns it so that we as podcasters can listen to that. And it's also it's sort of teaching us and showing us, what they're looking for but it, it's always i'm always trying to look at different ways of going into that subject of online you know uh, entertainment
1: yeah it, what amazes me is the commitment and you know this right yeah. of some podcasters who do these most you know they they indulge in a hobby or they indulge in some kind of theme and i kind of get it to myself how are you able to do this? I, I I really don't know how you're able to have the commitment to do it. Like, you know, we watched, you know, we watched silly movies or we watched, you know, movies made by Francis Ford Coppola backwards. And you're kind of going, okay, that's kind of really funny. And actually stupid blokes tend to be into that sort of thing. You know, I think pop culture when it comes to girls is very different than pop culture when it comes to guys. We always tend to do those ridiculous things. You know, I how many burgers can I eat watching Psycho? You know, and it's all this kind of, thing they add this extra envelope to it you know it's like the the risk they're taking that you used to take when you your kids which by the way i think boy a lot of lads love stranger things on netflix because it reminds them so much of being idiots like some of the characters in that show yeah, uh, yeah so i don't know how people can do that because my concept's really easy it's just who do i like you know will i shout out to them will they say yes and if they say yes when can they chat so you know i don't really have to do that much kind of deep thought you know i just kind of know i have the advantage already because i like this person i may only like them because i've read books they like and it could turn out to be an absolute plonker but at the end of the day i kind of have the experience not to let that happen so i I think every podcast i've ever done has been successful it hasn't been a a, you know a stonker where i said i can't publish that because i don't let it happen i make sure that it falls down a certain goes down a certain road Uh, and that comes with experience obviously but yeah Again, some people like you listen to these podcasts and they're challenging their guests. And I'm going, I'd never have the balls to do that, you know. No. I always think, you know, are you going to walk out halfway through the podcast or whatever? So, uh, again, maybe I, you've listened to a lot of American podcasts. Maybe it's an American way of doing things. I don't know. See, us Irish people are not very confrontational in that respect. When it comes to what we, what I do uh, there are a few podcasts out there that are very popular, and I think they all tend to run down this route of, uh, you know, being nice and wanting to be liked, you know, by both the audience and the guest. Whereas, you know, in America, there are people who love themselves and their own podcast, and the guests are just this existential aspect of them. And they could do it without the guest if they really wanted to, you know.
0: Absolutely. Definitely.
1: I'll switch light on so you can see me. Yeah, I'm turning into Andrew Ridley here with the tan. Yeah, (laughs) so so yeah, it's great. I mean, I do enjoy it now. You know, I mean, the thing is, I suppose it's like everything else. When when you, if the the one thing I would give people advice is stick with your. If you're passionate about it, stick with it. Don't get disheartened by figures. I think podcasters are over fascinated by viewing figures or you know listening figures and stuff like that. You know, I I, sometimes it gets to me as, as well. I think I go, you know. I wish people were, more people had heard that podcast. But um, you kind of have to say it to yourself, uh, you know, there's a million podcasters out there, and if you can get, I, I've even said this, if you can get ten people to listen to your podcast, because of the sheer population figures in the world, you know, there is the potential to get a thousand. You know, you just have to kind of stick at it. And uh, another thing I'd probably say is, unless you have to, don't de- try and date your podcasts. So what I try and do with each episode, I don't don't try and talk about too many up, relevant things that are happening at that time at the recording, because I think that what that does is, from an archive point of view, it still makes your podcasts interesting. So I think if anybody has a topic or subject to cover, be it history or rock music or whatever, they have the advantage now in that, in that their pod you can go back to their podcast, Like you, I went back to your podcasts, and it didn't sit there and go, mm, "This is too outdated, I don't hear it." You know, so I think that's a that's an advantage. So if you're going to pick a topic to do unless you're really into say current affairs or something like that, I think it's best to stay away from something that will date your podcast too quickly. Uh, you know, cause then what happens is if somebody discovers your podcast and they start listening to it, they're going to go back and listen to all the other episodes. And um, I think that's really good because then your numbers go up all the time. But like I said, I'm not really that fascinated by numbers. I never have. I think no. it's all about personal achievement and you know, look, if I never did a podcast ever again, I could still turn around and say, I did an interview with Major, who was one of my idols. And every bloke in my class would go, wow. You know, and that's, that's that talking, that pub, you know, that yeah. bar stool talking moments when the lads are saying, oh, you know what? I was in a pub there last week and I saw, I saw Conor McGregor across there and he, he waved at me and I said, oh, wow. well, I was talking to Midjure last week, you know, and they're going like, what? You know, so, that if I never do a podcast again, I get that moment, and I could say, "Well, that's that's that was that was a great moment." So I think that's why you know you should have that in mind when you're doing a podcast. You should say, more than anything else, I think it should be a personal fulfillment. You should enjoy doing it. Don't do it because you think you should do it, or don't think definitely don't think you're doing it because you're going to make money from it. Because you're not, you're never yeah. going to do it unless you really hit the jackpot, you know. And um, you've got to work really hard on that. And, uh, you know, that's, you've probably got to be lucky and all those other things have to fall into place, but don't think that that's good. If you're going in there, you're going like, I've had a few guys saying to me, I think I want to make a few up inside. Should I do a podcast? And I said, no, I just get an extra job. <laughs> 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 you know, you're better off being a golf. You'd have more luck being a golf coach than you would be. You know, you're not even you going know, to make enough a
0: money from advertising to, to live off it.
1: No. No, and it's just, it's just it shouldn't be one of your motivations, actually. I yeah. think it should be nothing. I don't think it should be at all. If you want to make money from social media, you, you need to do something else. You need to be an influencer or whatever, you know, or actually just work in social media, you know, but no, podcasting is not, there's not something that, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I actually get a few jobs doing editing because yep. people come to me and say, oh, I have this podcast, I've recorded it, it's in rag order, and I don't know how to fix it. And I say, give it to me, I'll sort it out. And, you know, I might get a few quid off that. And then they might come to me and say, could you do the next five? Because people get incredibly lazy because they realize, whoa, do I have to do this? Or do I have to do that? You know, and I say, yeah, I can do it. So, you know, that's probably a better avenue for me to make it maybe career out of this than say me just getting money from my podcasts. But I would like people to maybe consider me as somebody who could probably put together a decent podcast. And I think if I was going to do anything else barred The Comfortable Spa or maybe Lydia's podcast, that's where I'll probably go. I'll probably actually just start producing podcasts for other people and saying, look, you know, some kind of partnership or stuff like that. Um, Because, you know, I have the equipment and so on. I say, and you know yourself, it's not that you don't need a 15 grand mixing desk to do it, you know, or you don't need to have the latest Adobe software. You've really just got two people talking. And uh, if you can't get a nice sound out of that, well, then you need to take up gardening or something like that
0: recently taken up gardening actually for the first time ever but that's oh, that's a tangent there you go <laughs> i've got a i've got an sm58 that's hmm. running through an old four track tascam tape recorder i was just going to say my computer it have
1: the tape on it? i used to have one yes. i sold it for 50 quid I in 1998
0: use, yes i do use the tape cassette still
1: there wow you go. That's pop culture stuff. You know, like that's that's the thing I, I I came from that background so digitally. I mean, I had a, an idea cue base. Yep. But um, you know, I was from real to real background and um but having said that, I think the technology jump is great. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I have a Zoom, uh, sorry, I have a Road uh, Roadcaster Pro and uh, it's just amazing. And like, you know, I have colleagues of mine who are, I mean kind of group chats with them and they, there's now a roadcaster Pro 2 and they're like oh, I can't wait for the Roadcaster Pro 2 and I'm kind of saying to them what was wrong with the Roadcaster Pro 1 so I'm not a geek I don't go out and buy the latest stuff like I have a Rode pod mic but I also have like stuff like you know this fella here which is in case I break down that's like a USB mic and then I have like a Zoom H1 which is like this little handheld thing and I've used that in a podcast and then I have the H6 the Zoom H6 You know, they're all brilliant. And like, you know, you don't need to spend 500 quid to do a podcast. Content is king. That's what I always say to people. Your your content is king. Uh, I was asked to edit this podcast before for this. I won't say the organization, but it was one of these nonprofit organizations based in in France. And they were doing an English podcast and they were interviewing people on the streets. And uh, it was just very artistic. And it was really boring. And I was kind of going, this is just so boring. No one's going to listen to this. Like Because they were asking them really existential questions. Like, how do you feel about the sun today? I was like, <laughs> You know, it's like, I, I said, um, you know, I said, look, if you're going to do something like that, you probably need to do it visually. You know, because, you, you know, you want to see the person. You might find them attractive or you might find them whatever, but you have to have that extra bit. And, you know, they even said to me, well, we have this intro. And I said, okay, well, what is a 20 seconds? You can't have anything more than 30 seconds. And they were like, oh no, it's a minute and a half. It's a violin solo by one of our members here. And I was like, okay, I'll just put it together and you can see what you can do, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just think sometimes you can have a, re- but having said that, it was all, I published it, I produced it as best I could. It was a very good quality production. And um, it was still extremely boring. <laughs> like before you even got to the content of the podcast, you had like, two minutes of this music. And like I was saying, no one's going to listen. You know yourself, no one's going to listen to that. You know, a really good podcast, in my opinion, has to have something that goes to the subject matter fairly quickly, whether it's an introduction on you or an introduction on what you're doing. You know, but if you have this one and a half minute solo, you know, not everybody likes a violin solo as well. It's not like you're doing a piece that people are going to like, you know, like the monkeys or Led Zeppelin or even go West. You know, you have to, you have to have something that people will go, you know, while they're listening. I like that. Yeah. It's a good tune. And then the podcast starts, you know? So yeah, I think people can have these ideas in the head, but if it, if your content isn't good, it's, you know, good how well produced it is. But, um, I don't know. You listen to a lot of podcasts. Is quality a real thing for you? I don't know. I I tend to feel it is maybe, you know, the production quality or does that bother you when you're listening to a podcast?
0: I think so. I think, Sometimes I'll listen to shows and um, I've not pulled them up for it, but you'll find that Mm. they don't—they don't look at the levels of each person, for instance, which Mm. really irritates me. Because you'll have someone who's all the way up there, and then you'll have someone that you're struggling to hear, and it's not like I'm changing—I can't change the—I can't change the volume of it while I'm driving a van. Yeah, you know, I can't suddenly go, oh, I can't. He's starting to talk. I'll turn the volume up, yeah. so I'll turn that up. No, I won't, because I'm driving a van. And so, yeah, which is an easy fix, because you can actually get Absolutely. software to do it. And if if you can get different, it's better if you get two different, if you get a different sound from each person. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't, you're still software that you can use that will level all of the sound throughout the whole episode. But... These, these things, I will yeah. say as a suggestion to people, if you use this software, do so, but then when you come into the mix stage, knock it down by about three or something because it's because it puts it up to the loudest that it can be oh. and that is, and then you get a problem with distortion then when you listen to it on your device.
1: Yeah. For example, if you have somebody, I had one guest there recently, he was on a phone. So like the quality wasn't good. But I decided it was I could hear every word. And then what I did was I gave it to my wife and I said, Can you hear everything she's saying? And she said, Yeah. Does it bother you that it's kind of phone? She goes, No, actually, I kind of like that. It's kind of old-fashioned. That's nice. So I think you know, people are generally used to that, especially air generation. Maybe we're used to that when you listen to a radio station that somebody's talking on a phone. And as you say, it's about yeah. having clarity rather than volume. Because if I had turned the volume up on it anymore, it would have become blurry and then they wouldn't have been able to hear what she was saying. So I decided at a very point in early points, she didn't have the equipment to do it. And I said, right, we'll just do it on the phone. And, you know, it kind of a re- little bit old fashioned, actually, for me. Yeah. But I was happy with that, you know, and um, I said, that's fine, because people are used to that type of sound in their ear. You know, I mean, you and I we were old enough to remember when football was being played in international countries, the commentators did it on the phone. You know, they phoned it in, so you always had that lovely sound that people like my age would love to hear again. On on listening, I'd love to see, I'd love that when you look back on, you know, Knott's Forest winning the European Cup. You know, you know, Martin Chivers or whoever is doing the commentary on the phone and talking like, you know, it's brilliant. I used to love that because
0: game yeah. gave a sense going new.
1: For a goal. Yeah, yeah, it was fresh, <laughs> you know. And that's the thing. So I I decided that I would leave that rather than saying to her, okay, you. Know, need to go off and get a microphone and do all this type of thing so i think once people can hear what the guest is saying without an obstruction or or, or some kind of distortion it's fine but yeah definitely quality uh, sorry um levels can be an issue and that, that was something that i had when i started off because i was used to music and you know when you're doing recording music each instrument has a different level so yeah. you, you know and you already know what those levels are Unless you're dealing with somebody who's a heavy drummer or whatever. And then vocals were never louder than the music. What you did was you got the vocals to a point where the vocals were fine and you mixed down the music to around the vocals. It's called a pyramid thing. Yep. But with podcasting is different because people shout sometimes and they talk louder. They might go to a moment where they go, "Wow," ah, you know, and this kind of thing. So. Yeah, it is a balancing act, but, you know, you can, the thing is to make life easier for yourself, as you said there, rather than uh, leaving it to the software to help you. And, um, you know, if you can get them to understand, you know, or you can get them to do whatever you can to make their sound as best as you can, well, then you're making life easier and you don't have to rely on software. I I sometimes find, I, I really get frustrated if I have to do a really heavy mix down. I prefer to do something that I've already sorted out in the in the chat beforehand, or maybe talk to them a week before. I try and do that with my guests to try and talk to them using the same system, but not a recording session. So I can get an idea of how they talk, what kind of levels they use and what kind of equipment they have. And then I can make a decision on it based on that, you know?
0: You also sometimes have problems when you have guests who don't know how to use a microphone, for instance. So they might be—this uh, d- is just for an effect. This, so they might be all the way up. They might be too close to the microphone, yeah, yeah. or they might be so far away that you're going to have yeah. an enormous echo in the background.
1: Yeah. Or they sometimes have a laptop with a with a fan that's like a jumbo jet. Yeah, yes. <laughs> or
0: they'll yeah. use the microphone on the
1: laptop yeah, oh, oh that's a big no-no actually and to be honest which i generally if that comes to the point i'll generally say to them, if i can i'll meet them you know i'll say look i'll meet you because your sound is not good enough you know and he'd be amazed as well like to be like I, I it hasn't personally happened to me but i've been handed recordings where somebody would say to me can you do anything with that and i'd say okay what is it and it's like a journalist or somebody who's works on the radio and they just the equipment they have at home is dire and you'd say to yourself god do you think they, they they know a bit more wouldn't you You know it was kind of surprising or it might be a a musician and like what why didn't they you know they could have at least tried to do a better job than that so yeah it, but it hasn't personally happened to me thankfully um the law of averages says it must you know because when you're doing a podcast episode every week you're going to get a howler. But the thing is, that's why I generally try and do five or six recorded. Like I have a couple recorded well in advance. So I can kind of go, okay, till I sort that out, I can put that one there rather than, as you know, you know, you're hanging on your next podcast. Don't ever do that because, you know, I always see that on Twitter. Sorry, we're a bit late with our podcast this week because A, B and C happened. If you're going to be committed to the project, don't do that. Have four or five recorded in advance so you can you can work your way around when you have an issue. You know, if you're in hospital or you're on holidays, you know, the two H's, um, that's the thing you can do. And that's the beauty as well of like prop, using those podcast platforms that you can schedule everything. It's really handy. You can just walk away and let it do its thing. You know, that's 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 what I like about it. But yeah, if you prepare to fail or fail to prepare, whatever. Roy Keane said that one time. I don't know what he said, but that's something like that. That's a very good philosophy to follow. G'day, g'day. This is Matty C from the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast way down in Australia. And we love getting to listen to Marv meet new podcasters from all over the world here on the Pods Like Us podcast.
0: So touching on something that you've mentioned a bit ago, um, the the music, I mean, I've actually made a change with my own music in recently because... My opening music used to be around a minute long or just over a minute. So what Mm. I did instead is I've recently cut that down to the last 10 seconds of the piece, which is sort of like a close off. So it's just the electric guitars doing their bit for 10 seconds. And that's Mm. an introduction. And then it's still got its 30 second ending music as well, because I sort of got that impression that, it's almost as though people are waiting and the waiting and the waiting for the show to start it needs a sort mm-hmm. of introduction so what me and yourself do is with the music there the beginning and the end it's almost like we're treating it like a book or a magazine where you open mm-hmm. it up and you have the 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 front cover and you have the back cover or whatever and then you yeah. open it up mm-hmm. and then you have the the story and and that inside so what do you think is the importance of music and say in some shows sound effects and transitional effects and of logos for shows
1: i think they're all really important it amazes me that some people like to do a really good podcast with really good quality guests and great content and then they don't have they don't make it attractive they don't give people add-ons they don't wrap their podcast yeah. you know they don't package it properly you know, music for me, if you listen to the podcast that I've done, I've tried to make the music as coherent with the subject matter. So when we did Eurochat, we were an Irish podcaster. So we went for this kind of this U2-ish style of music. You know, we went like it's very U2, kind of right around the time of 1990, Unforgettable Fire, heavy kind of strat, you know. And then for the Moldovan Coffee Break, we used the kind of it was not really a Eastern European, but more of a Turkish, Mediterranean, Black Sea sort of thing. Because Moldova is kind of around that area You've Ukraine, Moldova, Bulgaria, Romania, and Turkey. So we went with this Black Sea style of music, and then we used that. And then with the comfortable spot, I tried to make give that kind of you know kind of a cafe jazzy type thing because we do actually like that music. I know it kind of gets slagged a bit. But I think that's nice because it, 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 I want to ease people in. I My podcast should be listened to in the evening when the kids are in bed or whatever. And that's the way, that's why I'm trying to do that music. And like you say, timing is everything really. Um, sometimes though, you know, if it's a bit longer, it's cool. Like I loved uh, your chat team because it was really good. It was this, you know, and everybody was kind of going, yeah, I love that. Is that you too? And it's kind like, no, it's not you too. But the actual, it was like, I got it from one of these, you know, you pay for the, the, the royalty of the use the track. I think it was called Dublin. It was the song was called Dublin. So I was like, yeah, that's you too. So you know, I think it's important that you try and get your music to match your podcast. Like if you're going to do a scary podcast, you should definitely have some kind of Mike O'Fields, thriller. You know, don't do thriller. You know, <laughs> even though it's like a bit horror, it's Quincy Jones. It's not going to set the mood right. You know, <laughs> or you know, if you're going if you're going to do a, a current affairs program, don't go down the rows of don't go down the road of news at ten because that's too newsy and that puts yeah. people off because it makes it makes you sound like an arrogant bee you know people are like, yeah, this is just, you know and it's like people aren't going to like that they think you only think you're you're, you're too up your own backside you got to have something that's attractive to music and you know? i and you know sometimes um you'd be amazed i go on to those free sites where you pay like a fiver and you get the you know the royalty sheet that you can use it and i like supporting young musicians like that you know lads who are you can see you go to their website and you've got they've got like so many different types of theme musics for everything and you just pick it and you pay your whatever they ask you five ten euros it's nothing but the great thing is you get versions of it then you can get a short version or a long version so i'm pretty good at slicing and dicing when it comes to that but i do like to have shorter version and i so i'll pay the extra money for that because if me inside can get a 30 30 second one and then a you know minute long they, they can be they can be very handy to use you know so yeah it is your second thing about logos um I'm terrible at logos actually yeah. I wish I like you know I wish I could do better at that but I'm not very creative so I think some of the logos I've done um haven't been great. You know, like the comfortable spot is okay. It's kind of like this. You know, some I asked some the ladies in my life what they thought of it, and they kind of said, "Oh, yeah, it's, it's very colorful." Then some lads said it's like IKEA, you know. So I was like, "Okay, you can't win," you know. So um and then I think the best logo I did was with the Moldovan coffee break. So what we did was we got the colors of Moldova, which are red, yellow, and blue. I had a yep. red coffee, you know, cup of coffee there. I had a kind of a, the blue, the writing, the title name was in blue and then blue was, sorry, the yellow was in for the title name. And then the blue was the kind of the, the rest. So what I did was I, I have my kitchen worktop, which is kind of like this wooden theme. So I just stood up on a stair and got me camera and just kneeled, got right over it, done it straight over, snapped the shot. And I thought it worked okay. It looked good, you know? Um, It wasn't, it, I'm sure it's an Andy Warhol would have kicked up a fuss. But um, yeah, I do think, Podcast logos are good. The only thing I would say is don't don't use a microphone in your logo. I see that a lot, and I kind of go, I don't think that does anything for a podcast because you're all people are already there. It's already a podcast. They know it's a podcast, so they want to maybe get an idea of what the podcast is about. So if you are going to do a logo or do an image for your podcast, try and have it that you know. It could be like, for example, you're, you're podcasting, you're, you're doing podcasts about podcasting. So yeah. you have the earphones and I think yeah, that's a great idea because you're listening, right? You're not necessarily, because if you have a microphone, then it's all about you, which is not, which is not what your podcast is about. But I think if you're going to have a logo, it should be about what is close to what your podcast is about rather than having people, you know, treating people for fools and saying, this is a podcast because it's got a podcast mic on it. and. That's the only advice I would give. But where it comes to logos, I'm the worst person to ask. So probably better off interviewing. Next view, interview, you'll have to interview somebody who's an expert in that. That I would actually love to listen to that podcast <laughs> because I'd love to learn a little bit more. I'm, I'm a total dunce on it, you know.
0: Yeah, I actually like I like the uh, the picture that you've done for the Moldovan coffee break
1: I'm on the light here as well. Hang on.
0: Okay. But I I like I like that picture that you've done with the uh, with the coffee cup, the uh, the Zoom uh, recorder and and then the notebook and the pen there. And, you know, the name of the, the European network and then the title, it says it all all about the show.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Subliminally, there's the colors there as well from Moldova. You know, we yeah. tried to figure out some way of putting the flag in it, but then I thought, ah, you know, that's not going to work because people will think it's People will think it's Romania because the flag is very similar to Romania. So, you know, you'll have smart artists coming on saying, you know, you've got the flag of Romania up there, and I'd say I have to go into this argument where I'll say, no, we don't have the flag of Romania. <laughs> you know, so I said I'm not going to go there. So, so I thought of you know, subliminal, just putting in the colors. Uh, yeah. So I think. That is the best thing I've done. I mean, Lydia is one is very straightforward. I think if you're going to have a podcast, you need Lydia there. Yeah. And um, up to a certain point, Lydia wasn't seen on the podcast. We didn't show her face, but she kicked up too much of a stink and she was nine. So I said, right, it's time for the great reveal. So, yeah. you know, we changed the podcast with her face on it. And that really works. You know, it's got this kind of kitty style, writing. Not much to do there because she sells the podcast. But yeah, I do agree. I do think the logo is very important. And if you can, if you do have a budget, get somebody professional to do your logo. Yeah. 100%. Yeah.
0: I was incredibly lucky with that because my other half, Louise, came up with the the idea for that, for the Pods Like Us uh, logo, which I thought was a great idea. Hmm. And then um, uh, Gil, who does the show Mind Buzz, he said to me, he says, I've got my friend who's a professional artist who does logos and he's done it. he's done you a version of it uh and you can have it for free and of course you 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 never you never you know look a gift horse in the mouth you <laughs> you take Definitely the offers that are that. there and it it is a good logo i was really lucky with that
1: well it's colourful you know like it depends on i think the themes are very important like uh you know sometimes you can think that's going to be a great idea and it's not like for example i saw a podcast recently about you know, mortars unsolved. And it's just had a big bloody knife on it. And I mean, I wasn't using that. I was using the actual word it was bloody. And i was yeah. saying to myself, Jesus, I'd never look at that. That would be a real podcast put off. You know, because I go, it's this guy kind of thinking, you know, you know what I mean? So I never went around to listen to that podcast and I'm not really up on them anyway, but if anything, I would like to have, if it's going to have, um, you know, logo about kind of unsolved mysteries. You, you need to think a little bit outside the box and you need to be a bit more careful. But you see, that's the thing. Like, you know, um, if I would say, if somebody asked me, would I suggest for a sports podcast? I wouldn't have a clue because I'd be going from stuff like that was in Shoot. You know, that's what I'd be saying. Do a cover of Shoot." You know, that's only because I, as I said, the maniac for pop culture, whereas young kids probably would think that was rubbish. So I, I don't, I don't have a clue, you know, so maybe my advice is get a professional. Are you to get a young guy, young yeah. kid, teenager to do it for you? Cause he's going to do it 10 times better than you are. Just make sure he doesn't use some photocopy or some copyrighted photograph in your way in hack, you know, but it's, as i said that if you have with the today's modern phones, I mean, I used my SLR camera to get that. Yeah. um, But my wife's phone could probably do a decent enough job to do that picture for the Moldovan coffee break. So kids nowadays are so creative that they can do things. So if you have a younger cousin or something, tell them what your podcast is about and ask them to do a logo. I guarantee they'll have something better than any of us old farts could ever do, you know. So so yeah, yeah, that's, but I think you should do it. You should do an episode on that. That would be brilliant, actually. I think you'd have loads of people really taking advice from that one. So there must be somebody out there who's listened to this. who would be happy to step in or maybe a podcast that you, that you like their logo. See if they can do it, you know.
0: I've actually started to arrange a group chat of people who make logos for a living for podcasts.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's a good idea. I thought that was a good idea a long
0: while ago. And then, so going from that, you've got the the logo and the music and the, uh, the structure of the shows that you make and the, the subject of each of the shows. Then you go into promotion, so... There's a whole other kettle of fish right there with promotion.
1: Yeah, I think you're just getting that baseball and you just get on the biggest ferry crossing the Irish Sea and you're throwing the baseball, hoping it's going to hit the Isle of Man. That's that's yeah. that's what promoting a podcast is like. You just don't know what the there's no there's nothing set in stone. There's no book on it. There's no uh, you know fact sheet. There's not even a guy out there that knows what he's talking about. No, because it, it depends on so many factors. It depends on the time you put into it, your your subject matter, who you know, how you really liked, you know, the people like you, you know, could, you could be an idiot on Facebook or Twitter. People just generally don't like you. So there's just so many factors and I just don't think about it. To be honest, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. So for me, Twitter has been my base of operations, even if it's a bit like trying to invade France, while you're stationed on the moon, unless you're moon Nazis, it's not going to work. It's going to be an extremely difficult effort, you know? So I'm not sure even Twitter is the best way to do it. I've tried Instagram, but I can't get into the vibe of it. I end up looking at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, you know, and and I just, I just don't, I can't get wrapped around it. I think Instagram is more effective for Lydia because he is a kid. She's more visual so when I take pictures of Lydia in the zoo, people love that because it's cute and it's funny and it's it's completely topical for what she does. So Lydia's podcast necessarily doesn't, sorry, doesn't necessarily have to be about books when she's promoting it. It's really about her. Yeah. Um, so with me, it's not really about me because the idea is that I'm just in the background asking the questions. It's all about the guests. So maybe I'm doing it wrong, but it's the only way I know. But I still enjoy doing it. I still get the excitement. Like I've just uploaded a podcast tonight. So I'm excited about putting it up on Twitter. And even if I get 10 likes or 100 likes, yep. uh, it's great. But I will say this, and this is the most important thing you can ever do when you're, when you're interviewing guests, right? Do not, under any circumstances, rely on the guests to promote your podcast. It's not fair and it's not right. No, It, it no. doesn't matter how famous they are, Right. They're not there to make you famous. Only Simon Cowell will do that, and there's a price to pay. (laughs) So you know it doesn't. You know it's not fair. It doesn't matter who they are. You should be able to do it sufficiently enough for it to work. Yeah. Like for example, my biggest listen podcast. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say my biggest listen podcast. Yes. Because it's major. Yeah. Not because major promoted it.
0: It's the person that you've got as a guest that pulls in those circumstances, that pulls the audience. It's not your show initially that does that in that Mm -hmm. sort of show. Yeah. Um, Whereas I've got this strange thing with my own show where I'm trying to push shows to get them new listeners, but to introduce them to them. It's sort of a back and forth, but at the same time, it's the whole format of my show that should be pushing that. In a sense, you know. Absolutely. I, and it, it grows over time. All these shows, essentially, what we've been saying frequently throughout this discussion between us is you'll get there, but it takes time. You, you won't yeah. get there straight away unless you're a Joe Rogan and you've got this audience already there. But none of us hmm. that are doing these sort of shows are of that sort of professional yeah. ilk. Yes.
1: Yeah. And... and- and you have to be a certain of certain character as well, because, I mean, look, if you're out say, you know, like I get lots of people contacting my show to be guests on my show, mostly yeah. American people who have self-help books or, you know, John was, a you know, an addict for 25 years. Now he's a preacher and he has really a lot to tell. I, you know, None of that. You know, they just don't get my podcast. They're just doing that. They're like, you know, they're like a pigeon letting go a load of carrier pigeons across the Internet and just hoping one lands in the right box you know, they don't even care about what my podcast, they've done no research. So they, if they did, they'd know A, they're not suitable and B, they're just not, I don't know them. So the whole idea of my podcast is that I like them as, you know, people are, I might be fascinated by what they do. There has to be something, but I just won't take somebody blindly. Uh, so, you know, th- that's the first thing. And the second thing is, as I said, with guests, you know, you can't expect guests to promote your podcast, but also, um, you know, you have to bear in mind that sometimes you do might have to go out of your comfort zone if it means getting somebody who would be good for your podcast yeah so you know it's all, like for example you know this right what if you go off and do something else right so you go off and do something else and then you come back to them and they say it's still not good enough but then you go to another record company and they say your first song is great but your second one is terrible right so it's all open to interpretation but what you have to do is you use those things to learn and you also use them as stepping stones But Don't kind of go against your own, you know, your conscience, your podcasting conscience. You will have to get people sometimes that maybe you don't really know much about or you don't really like. But if they're good for your podcast, if they give your podcast a bit of stature, you should do that. But don't do it all the time. Don't go against your principles. Like I could probably go outside and, you know, and get loads of people, but I probably wouldn't enjoy talking to them. And they might bring me more listeners. But I'm not getting that out of it. And then the issue is you get bored. As you know, you get tired, you get frustrated, and then you don't go with the program. So don't let things get, don't, don't get the run of yourself. Think, again, we're going back to the same thing, aren't we? More listeners, more rating, and then in some cases, more money. I, every, that, that's the last. It, you know, it, podcasting is a little bit like doing that painting that's going to make you a lot of money. It's most likely you're going to be dead by the time it starts making money because actually the fact that you died has made it more valuable. so you know podcasting is a little bit like that and that you have to be really patient and just realize that it might not never work you know i've i've about 40 tracks 50 tracks of songs that only my seven my nine-year-old daughter loves but she plays them all day she plays them more than i've ever even heard them and she knows she says dad why don't you go and sing this song area because that was 30 years ago (laughs) but it's great that she plays them but I did. I didn't force them on her. You know, she just said, Where, What's all these CDs?" You know, and I said, mm, "You can have a listen to who you want." So podcasting is a little bit like that. I kind of think of my podcasting, and actually, even all the other projects I've done, in a sense, there's some kind of archive thing that people can go back and listen to if they want to, whether it's two years from now or a year from now or whatever. It doesn't really matter, you know, as long as people enjoy what they listen to. So, yeah, I think it's as you said there. It's a really long process.
0: You've reminded me there was a, there's a work colleague who uh, started with the company uh, about seven months ago, and for some reason he sort of like approached me and he said to me he said he said oh he, goes, he said I found some of your music online you know this is from back in the day when I used to do music and and he said so he says what were you thinking when you did this this and this you know and he's bringing up these things and I'm thinking mm. and I'm saying to him. I don't remember. I said that's like 15 yeah, no. years ago, nearly 20 years ago. Yeah. I have no idea where I was back then because I'm a completely different person now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like the Ricky Gervais in- incident, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like um I I was I remember when I was in school and there was a band called Naked Eyes, and um they did that song Always Something There to Remind Me. Yeah. And it was one you man Simon me, me actually they came climbing Fisher and had a few hits as well in the nineties. Yeah. But I remember like I had this smash hits kind of book, which I kept from 1983 and it had in it, like, you know, the top 10, uh, who's going to be big in 85 or something. And naked, I remember naked eyes. I was looking back on it. And this was like about 10, 12 years ago. And Ricky Gervais' band was in, it. I can't think of what the name of them were, but I was sitting there going, that doesn't even look like Ricky Grave's. Like you couldn't even look if you were, if you'd like to, if he was like, never said anything about the fact that he was in that band. No one he would have noticed. It's not like you look at someone and you go, oh, look, there's a young whatever, George Clooney, you know. And the thing is, it is the Ricky Reveille thing because when you look, he does talk about it the odd time, but no one puts it together and says that, oh, that was ideally going to happen. You know, no yeah. one's going to say, okay, he," you knew when he was in that band in the 1980s, trying to be a cross between David Bowie and, you know, whatever, that he was going to end up being this, you know, this writer of this award winning sitcom, it's never going to happen. So yeah, it's exactly what happened to you. That's, you know, you just, no one's going to add that together. However, no. some, actually some people, being Ireland, people still add that together. I still get text message from saying here, Sweeney, are you not doing the local pub anymore? Now you're doing <laughs> podcasting." So it's smaller country. So we can still, we still get that in the year, you know, so um, that does happen to Irish people. Yeah. But no, I agree with what you're saying. It's, 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 it's a different world. Hey, it's Gil from... The Mind, Mind. Birds. Today's Mind Culture and Social Podcast. And you're listening to Pods Like Us.
0: So where do you stand on, on the old idea of changing a formula of a show? Are you for... I think we touched on it a little bit earlier on, actually, but mm. it's 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 a difficult thing, isn't it, changing a formula of a show. You can understand if you start a show that there will, over time, possibly be a slight change in some yes. ways over time. But, I mean, I'm one that's not for drastic, dramatic change from one to the other to the other, like you were saying earlier on. So mm-hmm. what... So, what do you think of the whole idea of changing formulas?
1: I, de- I think it depends on what you're getting out of it. Like, um, again, I keep saying this, just put the numbers aside. Don't change your show because it's not getting great numbers. You know, you could end up doing it in the nude and it still might, might not get great numbers. <laughs> so put that aside, right? That's nothing you've no control over. You've no control over that, unless you're willing to spend 10 grand in Google ads and all that kind of thing. And you're not going to get your 10 grand back, by the way. Yep. You're not going to control it, so that you have to put that aside first. So the other thing is, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, um, then yeah, by all means, change the format. But give people a bit of a warning. Maybe change it subtly. Don't suddenly go, you know, we've had a current affairs program, and now it's suddenly going to be lighthearted banter with lesbians. You know, you can't, you can't do that. It's just like it's just not going to work. You're going to lose every single person. Uh, you know, I find it's a good way of testing the audience is that you do uh, bonus podcasts. Yeah. So let's just say, for example, you have a one-on-one and you're talking about a subject. So maybe your bonus podcast be having four people together and having a joint conversation. Or you might just have a bonus podcast where you're tackling a topic that you don't normally tackle. So that, that can give you a little bit of feedback. The advantage of a bonus podcast, again, is that people know it's a bonus podcast. So they're going to commit to it, knowing that it's probably a one-off that they might not like but it's not going to affect our overall feelings about the show. And also, um, sometimes you might be physically, uh, sorry, mentally unable to kind of keep that going. You might want to change. I'm a little bit like that. That's why I was saying to you earlier on. My generally, for me, the Comfortable Spot podcast is a, is a move away from what I've always done and continue to do outside of it. Uh, I, you know, your chat was great. It was getting me up to a thousand listeners. And, you know, we were tackling all sorts of issues. We were interviewing pod, uh, politicians uh you know political thinkers and all that kind of thing but I, my chair was getting really itchy as i was doing episode 18 of your yep. chat you know and i'm kind of going i want to do something else here i'm bored and that's my problem i get bored i kind of go mm-hmm. i know i can do something better than this so then i get this idea into my head why don't i do this or why don't we do euroscience you know and we did euroscience for a while and that was great we loved that but again that's kind of going don't know. So I think if you have an itchy bum, a bit like me, and you kind of that's fine as well. But you need to end your podcast properly. You know, you need yep. to say, "Okay, guys, we're going to, you know, take a break for a few months. uh We'll be back with season two, uh and then try something else in the meantime. And if you don't like that, you go back to what you already have." So you know, it. I see that a lot with people, and I think that's okay. But then, as you know, there are people who just start. We've been doing our podcast episode one hundred and ninety nine, and I'm kind of going. I don't know, I don't think I could do 199 podcasts, you know? So it, d- it depends. But maybe if you have something like what I have is where you have this one that's running continuously all along and then you have your other ones that you're kind of dipping in and out by six episodes or 10 episodes. I kind of think with the podcasting nowadays, everybody's really uh, got such a short ear, as I call it. They're They're listening to a podcast for the first five minutes. So I think you should do what Netflix does. And just have your, you know, you and I are all done. When we watched Star Trek The Next Generation or ya five O, they were 20 episodes long, right? So yeah. now you look at Star Trek or you look at any of the Netflix short, They're seven or eight episodes long. Even stuff like, which I kind of think is a really uh, clever, if not crazy move. You look at Star Wars, for example, which is like a money bag. You know, it's yeah. like stick Star Wars on it. It's gar- and yet they only do eight episodes for all of their ones. And the Marvel ones as well, eight episodes. And my kid's kicking up a stink at the end. She's going, wow, well, I want more. But uh, I'm an adult and I kind of go, mm, that kind of works because it gives you ground to do lots more. And, you know, vary across the board, mix pod, mix the episodes together. And I think you should people should consider that for their podcasting. They should do six or seven episodes if they're tackling a topic rather than just go with it and then wonder how you get on. Because sometimes if you can say to a person, this is a series of podcasts or six series episodes, People go, okay, I'm going to commit to that. I'm going to sit back and listen to that. And again, it's going back to the content is king. So you got to do a lot of work at the start. Rushing into a podcast, I think is crazy. You got to listen to other podcasts. You got to listen to other podcasts that are on the same topic that you are. You got to look at the way they do it. And then you got to look and see if there's a different way of doing it that could be more attractive. And, you know, maybe a short podcast would work. So, yeah, that's, that's my sixth six sense on it. You know, I think it's, it's down to it's down to the individual and what they want to get out of the podcast, you know?
0: Well, that next point on the bullet points, number 10, I've already yeah. ticked off because we've yeah. given people I, I've, you know, mm. got advice from you all the way through. That's what the whole episode has been, has been getting advice from you about podcasting. So where can people find you and get hold of you then, Ken?
1: Okay. There's probably two ways. Um, if you go to the EuropeanNetwork.eu, uh, you'll see all the podcasts there. You just click on the tab, and all of the podcasts that I've done with them is there. There's about 40 episodes, I think. And as I say, they're broken into each uh, series I've done. So when you go onto the tab of the, the website and click on podcast, you'll see each podcast uh, series is broken down there. Have a listen. Uh, and see what you think. And then I have the comfortable spot, which is the com and uh, all the episodes are there, but you can find it anyway, you can always, as you say I, I hate using this um this uh, phrase. I don't know where it's come from. Maybe you can tell me, but you know, you can get it wherever you choose to download your podcasts. Um so yeah, so that's really I mean Lydia's booktastic podcast it's so unique that when you Google Lydia's booktastic, it comes up straight away because there, I don't think anybody else is Lydia and has a booktastic thing. So that that you can find as well. Uh, so yeah, so that's really, I'm really easy to find them on Twitter as well. Uh, there's a, I have a Twitter uh, profile for The Comfortable Spot. And then I have a Twitter profile of me, which I'm very argumentative, very political, do a lot of stuff that I would never do on a podcast. So if you're prepared to listen to me ranting, that's that's where you'll find me. I don't do Facebook anymore, by the way. Facebook's a waste of time. So, uh, yeah. So it's Twitter or, or on my websites.
0: That's great. Anyway, thank you for speaking with me today, Ken. This has been lots of fun.
1: Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. I I didn't think we were going to talk so long, but this is what happens, I suppose. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So, thanks a million, and um, best of luck to all of the uh, podcasters out there, and hopefully they can uh, they can get some information for this crazy fool.
0: I'm sure you've given us lots of great information, I think. There. Anyway, thank you, everyone. Uh, you can find Pods Like Us on Twitter, Instagram, and believe it or not, TikTok as well. Brave man. I'm trying. I'm trying. And you can contact us through podslikeus at gmail.com. Anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us.
1: This is Be Nicole from Buried on the Tundra, and you're listening to Pods Like Us.